When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I joke that like this book, Games of Chance, is like all the stuff I love all in one book. And I'm like, I love Bruce Springsteen and running and Italian food and like all these things that are in the book. But the character of Amelia, she's one of the three siblings in the book. There's two brothers and a sister, adoptive siblings, but we'll just call them siblings for um, the purposes of the story. And she's actually a competitive runner. So each of the three of the main characters has a certain artist and a certain song that they love. So they we can talk about all those, but yeah, obviously Springsteen is the most significant and she likes to listen to Springsteen while she's running. And so for her, the song, for example, Born to Run, even though she knows it's about breaking free and breaking out of the world the characters are stuck in, for her, it also literally is about like being born to run. Like she feels like running itself is how she deals with problems. Being in New, set in New Jersey, since the novel set in New Jersey, I wanted one of the characters to be a Springsteen fan. And for her, it just seemed to fit because of the running factor and how that all came together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We have a cross kind of thing today. We've got a writer that I had found through this. We are in mutual parts of groups where you you raise your hand, I want to be on a podcast guest, or I'm needing podcast guest, and Raquel goes, I love Bruce Springsteen. Let's do this. So Raquel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. Tell us about yourself. So I am a writer. I've been writing since I was five. So basically my whole life. From the ages of 14 to 16, I published three young adult mystery novels. And I recently published my first adult novel, Games of Chance, which came out um, this past October. So Games of Chance is the story of three adoptive siblings growing up in an Italian-American family in New Jersey and the different paths they take in their lives. I was working on this novel for 10 years, so I'm very excited to have it out there in the world now. I also write a blog on RaquelDrosos.com where I share tips about writing and about parenting and writing because I'm also a stay-at-home mom of two kids. So yeah, that's basically it. How old are the little ones? Six and four. Ah, very nice. They don't hate you yet. (laughs) I say that I say that as a, my, my son is now 33, but there was that period when you hit the teenage years to, he was a junior in college where it was rough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, I usually start at the beginning and I will still do that, but I'm going to do it in two different phrases. The first thing, where did you grow up and what kind of music were your family listening to when you were younger? So I grew up in New Jersey, in North Jersey, in Essex County, and I still live there with my family now. So my parents weren't like big music fans. They liked music, but I wouldn't say they were experts or anything. My mom always had the radio on in the car, and she liked a lot of disco, which wasn't really my thing. 
but she also really liked classic rock. She liked Aerosmith and ACDC. And so she was the one who really first exposed me to that kind of music. But I have to say that my cousins growing up were probably the biggest musical influence on me. So they were my mom's brother's kids and they were the same age as me, but they knew tons of music because my uncle was a big music guy. So they exposed me to more classic rock, but Zeppelin, Eric Clapton's music plays a role in my novel. So we could get to that later. And they also introduced me to a lot of the punk alternative kind of bands that were big in the nineties when I was growing up, like Green Day and The Offspring and Blink-182. So I still really like that music too. Like it brings me back to being younger. And I think the time in my life when I really like made a transition between saying music is just fun background noise and like I need music in my life was when I was about 12 and um, there was a lot of pop uh, female singer songwriters popular at that time, like Avril Lavigne and Michelle Branch and Vanessa Carlton and being 12 and hearing these women singing about stuff that I felt like I was going through made me really like connect with their songs and feel like music could be a friend that it wasn't just for fun. It was really like a way of coping with things. So ever since then, I've been big into listening to music and having it help me through different life experiences. I love that you can articulate that moment, right? That feeling often when I'm having a Bruce Springsteen fan on, I will ask them, can you remember the moment you first discovered Bruce Springsteen? What about him spoke to you? And often if you grew up in Jersey, it's he was in the water. That's like saying, hey, when did you first know that there was indoor plumbing? It just did there. But sometimes they can articulate, he was always in the background, but blank happened that made a difference. And I love the idea of these singer-songwriters waking up your, like, oh, wait, I'm going to this. So the question I have for you, and away from music for a minute, were you raised, you mentioned how early you were writing, were you raised by a family of readers? Not really. It's funny. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I give a lot of credit to my mom because um, my mom and dad weren't big readers, but they taught me to read at a very young age. Okay. My mom was doing like sight words and phonics with me when I was a toddler. And I was basically reading at three, like independently. So I give her a lot of credit. So I always loved books and always just read constantly. And they encouraged me to write too. So when I was five, I remember writing my first book, which was like three sentences long. But ever since then, it was just a passion of mine. And they always encouraged that. Did you always have that desire to tell a story? Yeah, definitely. I always imagined stories in my head. Like I said, I always had a book in my hand. I could always imagine different things the characters could have done. And I always, I joke that when I was really little, I had a lot of imaginary friends. Like I used to have 20 imaginary friends, not one or two, like 20. And I knew all their names and what colors they liked and all this stuff. And I just think that I always had, yeah, the the passion for stories and especially characters. You, you had an imaginary posse. You did exactly. not have imaginary friends. You had an imaginary yeah. posse. Do you remember some of your favorite books when you were young? Yeah, like when I was really young, I liked Anne of Green Gables. I remember I liked that because she was really imaginative and a storyteller like me. I loved the book Bridge to Terabithia. Mm-hmm. It's a really sad book and tragic, but I really liked that. I thought the characters were really vivid. And I loved Harry Potter too. I was a big Harry Potter fan. I had would wait for each book to come out. I was at the age where the books were still coming out. Yeah, those are my favorite when I was a kid, I would say. My my wife used to mock me that uh, my son was never a reader. I, he's a perfectly fine young man, and I, I'm proud of him in a lot of ways, but I have failed as a father making him a reader. He <laughs> bragged that he got all the way through high school without ever reading a book. He said, you told me I'd have to read a book in high school, and I didn't. <laughs> um, 
I do think one of the great moments when he graduated college, he told Miss Renee, who was one of his friend's mom, and she and I were the Cub Scout leaders. And he goes, Miss Renee, a class is a lot easier if you actually read the book. <laughs> and she goes, No kidding. Yes, Chris. <laughs> And then he was also talking about, and if you go to class and her husband, Mark said, you know, you will find that over 50% of life is showing up at the meetings will get you ahead of where you want to be. But anyway, the reason why is uh, I, Chris was never a reader, but Josh, which was Renee's son. So he's so much younger than I am and we're talking about the next Harry Potter book and Chris is just rolling his eyes like why do I have that dad (laughs) I need to call my sister because you reminded me she found Heidi so let's see I graduated high school in 77 so she would have been so she's five years younger than I am so I remember her and I didn't get this at the time I was like because I was a big reader why are you rereading Heidi again You've read Heidi like six times in a row. There's so many new books to read. And now then I know that feeling of being in that world and reading it over and over again. Thank you. I'll have to call. I bet Rita doesn't even remember (laughs) doing that. So when, how did you as a teenager decide you wanted to tell young adult novels or the mysteries and how did, what was that journey about? I was always writing, like I said, from in my youth. And then when I was about 14, I started writing longer pieces that were like novel length. And I really, I like the novel form. So that's still what I like the best. I'm not really a short story person because I like to sit with characters for a long time and really develop a long Mm storyline. I had written two novels that were more like novellas. They were a little shorter and they were about the same characters. The one was a sequel to the other. And I just talked to my parents and I was like, I want this to be a book. Like, I think that this could be a book, these two stories together. And we went through the process of getting an agent and all that stuff. And it didn't get picked up by a publisher right away. So we decided to go the self-publishing route. So I give my parents a lot of credit again for uh, finding a self-publishing company, for helping me through all the marketing and everything we had to do. And that's how I published my first book. And after that, I was hooked because it was so cool to see my words in print and my friends were reading my books and telling me what they thought. And I was like, this is the path for me. So then the next two happened pretty much the same way that I had the stories in my head. I wrote them down and self-published them. And then for a while, I was working on a novel in high school that I never finished. But funny enough, the two main characters in that novel that I never finished are two of the main characters in Games of Chance. So I revived them after all these years. They didn't go to waste. But yeah, so for a while, I wasn't publishing anything up until now I'm in my 30s is when I published Games of Chance. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What? Were you busy just being a mom, career woman? Is that uh, you got sidetracked doing other things? Yeah, I think so. After I gave up that one novel, it was like earth shattering for me because I worked on it for so many years. And then I eventually decided it wasn't working. And then I was in college and your life changes so much in college, your, your perspective changes. And I just wasn't creating that much in general. And then after college, I started working on Games of Chance. And the reason it took 10 years is because, yeah, like I started it, I was 23. I was single. I was living home, working part-time at a bar, trying to figure out what to do with my life. And then by the time I finished, I was 33. I was married. I had two kids. I had a house. I had changed careers multiple times. I was a teacher for a while. And then I became a stay-at-home mom. So yeah, I think that life just made it take a long time for this story to, to come to fruition. What? So I just had someone on the podcast and I haven't released her episode yet because it was just a couple of days ago but she does a she does a podcast all about creativity and she works with a lot of business people about creativity and she mentioned like my wife will say I don't she my wife thinks she doesn't have a, a creative bone in her body the reality is she's got a lot of creativity just in not the ways you think mm-hmm. and I will I brought up the fact that a lot of times there is this obstacle that you're having either in your personal life or your business life, and you can't think of a solution. You just can't. And then all of a sudden, one day, you'll think of, oh, what if I do this? And that leads you to it. And and we both were saying that because your subconscious works on that, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think to a certain degree your subconscious was working on this characters, these stories, and how you needed to be at a certain point to be able to tell their story? Yeah, I think that that's a good point. I like the way you put that. I think that I needed to like do a lot of living before I could really write an adult novel. Right? My other books were young adults and not that I'm not disparaging young adult novels. I think they're great, but they're about teenagers and I was right. a teenager. So I can write about being a teenager. But this novel spans from the character's childhood up until 
their late twenties and being 18, 19, trying to write about someone who's almost 30, it's very difficult to imagine. So I think that taking a long time to write, it helps me grow with it. I wrote the earlier parts when I was, you know, in my early twenties, so I could remember being a teenager and remember being a kid. And then I wrote the later parts when I was in that stage of my life, getting married, having kids, figuring out what my career path was going to be. So I definitely think that is valid. And I also love what you said about the subconscious. I wanted to throw in that a lot of times when I'm stuck in my writing, I go for a run and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that's what I have to do. And I feel like sometimes just like freeing your mind on different things makes the idea come to life. Yeah, I've I've talked to a lot of people and, and I love interviewing creative people. And the reality is staring at that blank page is very daunting. And whether you're writing a short story, a novel or a business memo, right? A process, just get it on the page, start. Yeah. Even if it's crap art, because Definitely. working those muscles and getting that going, then you can always go back and, oh, this is what I was trying to do and say. And often, do you find editing is an important part of your storytelling? Yeah, it's definitely important, but I find it very, very like psychologically difficult. Like when it comes to like line editing, like I love line editing. I like to go back. I don't know if that's actually what you call it, proofreading. I like okay. to go back and fix sentences. I love that. I love like fixing if there's like a, an error or just, oh, I could phrase this differently. That kind of stuff like I could do for other people. I love that. But when it comes to like read something and I'm like, I really have to change this part of the plot that I find very difficult because when you're creating and you're just putting stuff out there, it's fun. But once you have to look at what you made and be like, this is not working, that's tough, but you have to do it. You have to make the tough decisions. And definitely with Games of Chance, since I wrote it over 10 years, the beginning parts are like almost unrecognizable from when I wrote them until the final version of the book, because I had to go back and rework them a lot. So when you sent me the email, and we're going to talk a little bit about how music is an inspiration for your writing, but you specifically said that one of the characters is a huge Springsteen fan. Yeah. So tell me a little bit why you made that decision and why you chose that character as the fan. Yes, I, I joke that like this book, Games of Chance, is like all the stuff I love all in one book. And I'm like, I love Bruce Springsteen and running and Italian food and like all these things that are in the book. But the character of Amelia, she's one of the three siblings in the book. There's two brothers and a sister, adoptive siblings, but we'll just call them siblings for um, the purposes of the story. And she's actually a competitive runner. So each of the three of the main characters has a certain artist and a certain song that they love. So they, we can talk about all those. But yeah, obviously Springsteen is the most significant. And she likes to listen to Springsteen while she's running. And so for her, the song, for example, Born to Run, even though she knows it's about breaking free and breaking out of the world the characters are stuck in, for her, it also literally is about like being born to run. Like she feels like running itself is how she deals with problems. Being in New, set in New Jersey, since the novel set in New Jersey, I wanted one of the characters to be a Springsteen fan. And for her, it just seemed to fit because of the running factor and how that all came together. Yeah, and she does refer to his music throughout the novel. She does connect with another character initially over his Born to Run album that he has signed from Springsteen. So like Springsteen does find a way into the, into the story. And there's one quote that I wanted to share with you from the book. So yeah, so she's, <clears throat> there's one point where She's driving to the hospital and a certain tragedy has happened in her family and she doesn't know what she's going to find when she gets there. And so she, while she's driving, she's blasting all the Springsteen songs she has in her car. And she says, the music didn't fit the moment, but it made her feel better. She had listened to Springsteen so many times that his voice was like the voice of an old friend. 
familiar and comforting. So I thought you would enjoy that idea that when we listen to a certain artist's music, they really become like a part of our lives and a friend to us. Yeah, it absolutely. And you, that is spot on of how we feel and what we do. So the other two siblings who are there use <laughs> musical muses, I've got okay. to know now. Yeah. Just so you know, like Amelia, like I said, is a runner. So she's this really driven, results oriented kind of person. She's not like wasting time on like emotions or whatever. She's really blinders on. And then her brother, Seb and Alex are best friends, but they have opposite personalities. So Seb is really pensive and brooding and pessimistic and has this idea that nothing's ever going to work out for him, but he's also a very reliable friend. And so he's a big classic rock guy and he loves Eric Clapton. He loves the song Layla and Layla uh, is an important song throughout the story because it helps connect him to another character and his feeling of the feelings about the song kind of evolve over the course of the novel. And then on the other hand, Alex is this very outgoing, charismatic, lucky guy that the world seemed to have smiled down upon him from the moment he was born, but he's very impulsive and can be selfish too. So he really likes, he's like more of a lighthearted pop music kind of guy. And he loves the song Fly by Sugar Ray. And I've been asked, what is with that song? Like, why is this in this book? But when I was in high school, starting to write about these characters, I really liked Sugar Ray and I still like them. And I liked how that song was this like almost absurdly optimistic song. Like it's so upbeat and you feel so good when you're listening to it. And that reminded me of Alex. So that was always his favorite song from 20 years ago when I first created him, that had to be his favorite song. And again, that also the song returns throughout the decades of the novel and his thoughts about it change as he changes. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've experienced over the years talking to hundreds of Springsteen fans is that often his music changes because we change. And what we needed a song to be in one part of our life, we now need it to be a different way, um, which is the beauty of great music. I I did love, I, was, I shared before we hit record, that you had sent over some blurbs and you included the name of the book in your website. So I went and I looked at it on Amazon and I it had read sample. So like, oh, good. I, I don't have time to read the whole book, but I'll read a few samples. And it starts with a pretty dark experience, um, not very spoilery. And you explain how the three siblings get together. And right away, Alex is, this is so great. You're here. I've always wanted a brother. Now I have a brother and sister. And in parentheses, sucks your parents died. But hey, let's not talk about that. Let's <laughs> talk about that. Now then, we're in bunk beds together. And yeah. you get to do this. And just this energy, and you really capture the spirit I think of your descriptions very early. I immediately knew who you were talking to. And I, like I said, I've only read the first chapter. That's really cool. I, I'm looking Thank forward you. to seeing their journey. Um, okay, I have to apologize and give a little background. I grew up in the South. And to me, gravy <laughs> is white <laughs> put over biscuits or brown put over rice. Mm -hmm. And even though I have heard them talk about that on The Sopranos, I immediately, I'm reading this book and, oh, I smell gravy. And I'm like, oh, they're having breakfast. <laughs> so you mentioned in the book, you have everything you love. And one of the things you mentioned is loving Italian cooking. So give me a little bit about that. 
Yeah. So I'm Italian American. I know my name doesn't sound it, but that's a long story, but I grew up in an Italian American family. My parents are both really good cooks and I really wanted to write about an Italian American family for a long time because I feel like we've all seen like all the mob movies and stuff. And I like those and I like the Sopranos, but that's not the whole story of Italian American people. Obviously I'm not in the mob. No one I know is in the mob. So I think that there's a lot of interesting cultural elements in Italian American culture, especially in the Northeast and New Jersey, New York and stuff that are interesting on their own without them having to be tied to a crime ring. So I always wanted to portray a family like mine in a novel, in a, like in a realistic and like a positive light. And for Italian Americans, and I'm sure for everybody, food is really very important to like the feeling of family and who we are and gravy, which is what I call tomato sauce. So my family, there's actually a big debate among Italian Americans, whether it's sauce or gravy, but Oh, really? I did not know this. Forget waves or swaves on Thunder Road. It's (laughs) is it gravy or sauce? Oh, my God. People like have shirts like it's like a like people are serious about this, whether it's sauce or gravy. My family always said gravy. No haters, like not hating on sauce people, but Mm -hmm. whatever. So it's the tomato sauce marinara that you would imagine. And anyway, it's one of those things that takes a while to cook. You have to have it on the stove for hours. It's a labor of love. It's my favorite food. If I, if it was socially acceptable, I would just eat it out of the pot without even pasta on it. And anyway, I, I knew that I wanted to include a lot of food, but also to show how food is, like I said, like a home brings a feeling of home. So with Seb being away from his own parents, being with this aunt and uncle that he barely knows the first moment that he tries his aunt's gravy is the moment when he really starts to connect with the family because it reminds him of home. It reminds him of the way his dad used to cook. And I think that food in that way can really take us back to other parts in our lives the way that music can. So I want to include that feeling too. Yeah, I, I thought that was wonderful in the book where this young man is lost and hating everything about it. And that smell and then the scene of him tasting and even and his aunt saying, I learned you and your dad and I learned how to do this together. I taught him. I don't know if mine's as good as his. This thing to give him permission to say, it's okay if you want to stay loyal to your father's memory by saying it. But I I just thought that was a very sweet moment. And there is that, I think all families, whether you're Italian, Jewish, Southern, Northern, whatever, geographical location, ethnic you want, but there is that sense of home. One of my happiest memories as a child is my grandfather owned a dairy farm. And so we would, and you would rate, you'd have in the fields, hay, and then you would grow it, you would cut it, you would bale it, and then you would have to store the bales of hay for the winter so that your cows would have grass because during the winter there wouldn't as much grass and you would spend all day baling hails you would be out in the sun you would get filthy this hay going everywhere and and the the tractor would cut it then there would be a baler that would make these big bales of hay that you see at a fall festival right now at a farm you'd see them and you would pick them up put them on a trailer pick them up a trailer and then when you go and you'd put them in the barn you were exhausted And at the end of the day, you would go take a shower and you just were filthy and just this seeds and dirt fall (laughs) off of you and you're clean. And grandma and my mom would have these just 
stove full of food. Oh, nice. That you were just, you were exhausted. And all of a sudden, you're in this cool house after being in the hot sun. You're clean after being dirty. And here's fresh cornbread and just all these, any kind of food you want was there. And Mm -hmm. so that, right, that brings that memory back to you, that love and that sense of family. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The way you said that too, it reminded me, I remember coming home from college and in college you're eating dining hall food, whatever. And just like everything my parents made was like, oh my God, yes, this is food. Yes. Coming back home and and yeah, enjoying that for sure. Yeah. Let's talk about, you said, how does music inspire you? I just got, and it was funny, I I reached out to someone um, and listeners, there's this, as we talked about, Raquel and I are both parts of this, this service you can do. And another writer emailed me last night and said, I want to join you because we can talk about why do some writers can't stand music while they're writing and other writers have to have music when they're writing. I want to debate on those things. Like, <laughs> wow. That sounds like a great debate, right? Yeah, like, why cool. So you talked about music is inspires you tell me a little bit more about how music is helping you in your muse yeah so when i'm actually writing i don't have music so just to put that out there yeah i find that especially like for example if i was like in a cafe which i never really do but and there was background noise i could maybe listen to classical because there's no words but if i listen to music with words it messes me all up overall i listen to music a lot when i'm working out or just in the car and things like that and I find that my mind is always working on the stories that I'm writing, even when I'm not writing them. And sometimes a story from a song or a certain sound or feeling from a song will find its way into my imaginings of what's going to happen to my characters. Or sometimes a song will inspire me to start writing about a certain character. I remember one of my mystery novels that I wrote when I was a teenager, I was in a department store and this Matchbox 20 song came on and I love Matchbox 20. Let's give them a plug too. And for some reason, the sound of that song and these people that I was passing by the department store just sparked this idea in me. And that became the novel 17 days, which was a kidnapping mystery. Okay. Uh, So yeah, there's been a lot of times where I've heard a song and been like that. It either sparks the idea or it helps me better understand a character that I'm working on because I could imagine the character being in that song and saying those things or feeling that way. So definitely a constant source of inspiration. I feel like in the background of every book that I write, there's this soundtrack of the stuff I was listening to at the time. And one of my friends was like, you should post those soundtracks on social media. And I'm like, then am I going to owe royalties to the people that I was listening to? I'm like scared to tell them. But anyway, there's definitely what I'm listening to definitely influences the way I imagine things. Do you think, does sometimes listening to the music help you work out the plot and what kind of where you want to take the characters? Yeah, I think it's like, trying to think of how exactly to put this. I usually have an idea of where the plot is going Yeah. Um, overall from the beginning, but it does sometimes help me zone in, hone in on like a specific feeling or scene. There's this one U2 song that was like the breakup song for these two characters. And when I heard it, I was like, oh my God, this was written about these two characters. And then the more I listened to it, the more I felt the emotions that the characters were going through more than if I yeah. just wrote the scene by itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's next for you? What do you want to do next? In my life? In my yes, life. life and working. Yeah, life and yeah, life and traveling yeah. with the book creatively. What do you want to do? I'm, I am writing a new novel now. I would like to just continue writing novels. Like I said, that's my favorite form. Right now I'm writing a novel about two people who are both creative people. One's a writer 
And one is actually a musician and a songwriter. That's been a very interesting path to take because I don't play music, even though I love music. So I've had to do a lot of research, like talk to people, read biographies, memoirs, and stuff like that to get into the mind of a musician. But anyway, it's about the two of them, and they're both trying to raise kids together, but also pursue their art at the okay. same time and trying to navigate that world. So that's what I'm working on now. Okay. And actually, I read uh, Springsteen's uh, autobiography in preparation. I'm trying to read a lot of, like I said, a lot of memoirs and autobiographies to get into the head of a musician. And I loved it. I thought it was an awesome book. So I was going to, that's, I'm glad you brought that. So not only as a fan, but what did you think of it as a writer? I was like floored because he can really write. I appreciate a good sentence. I don't read trash. I like really, his writing is amazing. Like the way he describes things, whether it's like his songwriting process, how it feels to perform, like anxiety and depression. And even like he talks about his wife giving birth and has this really vivid like birth scene, which as a man is not something you really think they want to write about, but he really like hones in and describes really the way it is in the birth room. I just thought like every sentence in that book was really beautiful. And he clearly is not only a good storyteller, but he's actually a good writer, like word by word. Writer. Yes. Yeah. I think and I, there was an April Fool's joke or something a few years ago that said in it basically that they did, it was a parody account that Bruce was in a Nobel prize winning writer. <laughs> and they re- they took all his albums and made them as either a collection of short stories or novels. And they did his history as Nobel laureate Bruce Springsteen writer. And they so covered cool. it. And I'm like, I'd like to live in that world. Yeah. I think that would be a cool world to read that. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah, that's very cool. What kind of music are, are the kids listening to? Are you, what are you teaching them and what are they teaching you? I know they're pretty young. Yeah, no, I have them listen to music a lot. And my daughter actually plays the drums now. That's been pretty fun. She, since she was like a toddler, she's been asking me to play the drums. I don't know how, I don't know anyone who plays the drums. I don't know where she came up with this idea. I don't know. But anyway, so finally she's six now. And I was like, all right, we're getting you a drum kit. You can play the drums. And she's taking lessons and she's pretty good. It's like scary. So I hope that she becomes a musician, even if it's just as a side thing, because I always wish that I played something. Me too. Yeah. yeah. She, because I appreciate it so much, but I just never did it myself. But she's really into, she likes rock, but she likes like girl rock. So she loves Paramore. She likes the Cranberries. She likes, who else? No doubt. She likes when there's rock music, but a girl singer. I respect that too. (laughs) Good for her. That's great. That's awesome. I really appreciate that. You mentioned you have a blog. Is that just, does that help you with your creative juices and let you exercise different creative muscles? It's definitely different than writing a story. I think I just, I felt like I had a lot of information I wanted to share with people and in a longer form than just posting things on social media that just get lost after five minutes, especially with like self-publishing the stuff that I learned from my games of chance was self-published on Amazon KDP, which is very different than 10, 20 years ago when I was self-publishing through a publishing house. So the world has changed a lot. And I learned a lot through this experience and also about being a mom and being a writer. Cause I think there's a lot of stereotypes that, Oh, when you're a mom, your brain turns to mush, forget about your brain cells, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And that's not true. And I wanted to share that with other moms that I actually think I've become a better writer since I became a mom. And I explained the reasons why. So I think blogging is just my way of trying to put some of my thoughts out there for people who maybe could benefit from them instead of in a story form and like an advice form. What do you, what is some advice you give to new writers, starting writers? What do you suggest? 
It depends on what kind of advice they're looking for. Okay. I agree with what you said earlier that the most important thing is just to start and just start anywhere and just yeah. be writing, not just sit in your head and think about things because thinking is not the same as writing. You're not going to know what works until you're actually putting things on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you also should write what you really are interested in and not listen to what's going to sell and what's trending because that changes. But what comes from the heart is always relevant. My book is literary fiction. Um, it's like around 400 pages and it doesn't hit any of those like hot topics that are a thing right now, but I think it's a good book because it's comes from the heart. Um, and I think that'll always be appreciated. I also think that unfortunately, one of the things on a marketing perspective is that you have to get good at social media, which I hate. I don't like social media. I didn't have it before I, I published my book, but I realized that's where people are finding things out. So you have to be on there and learning about what people want to hear and connecting with people before you publish so that you have a following. But yeah, everybody's journey is different. I think you have to, like I said, just keep writing, doing writing what's in your head, writing what you're passionate about. And don't be afraid to try things that are difficult. Because I think that when you're trying things that are hard, you're growing. If you're doing what's easy, you're not really growing. Raquel, you're reminding me, I've told this story a couple of times recently, but a really good friend of mine named Tom Zoller, has written multiple comic series, mostly lighthearted romantic comedies uh, in a comic book form. He's written uh, a series about a, a magic winery. And if you drink a bottle of wine, you go back to the year that it was bottled. Oh, that's and, so cool. and so you're, the time you stay in there is as long as the bottle lasts and then you come back. Mm-hmm. He's done Warning Label, which is one of my favorites. The This girl was cursed. This young woman was cursed. And so if someone asks her out, immediately a warning label shows up magically to show all the reasons why you should not date her. Oh, no. <laughs> and but so he was at and Love and Capes is his big one, which is basically a romantic company set in a superhero world. And if you're in love with the Crusader, which is basically Superman, what do you get him for Christmas? And what do you expect <laughs> him to buy for your Christmas, right? He was at Free Comic Book Day. And for those of you who don't know, this is the industry sells comics at a discount to comic book stores, and then they give them away to readers. And the idea is to get them young, right? To get young people in there that want to get comics. So Tom was there in Houston. And he was doing free sketches all day long. He just was doing sketches. Anyone want, someone wanted. And about four or five times, parents came and said, oh, my child loves to draw, wants to be an artist, wants to be an artist. And Tom told him, and I'd love your thoughts. He said, first, I know you're going to take art classes, but take an accounting class. You are going to have to do, if you may want to do a Kickstarter, you may have to price your jobs. You Mm -hmm. need to know, are you going to make any money on this job? I never took an accounting class. It really would have helped me. Secondly, take a public speaking class. You are going to have to sell your work to someone, or you're going to have to listen to someone describe what they want, and you need to be able to communicate. He says, I go to conventions. I do panels. I sell people all the time. And third, and this is where you'll smile, draw what you don't like to draw at least an hour a day. Wow. It's easy to draw the things you don't, you like, but draw what you hate to draw at least an hour a day. He said, I hate drawing comics. 
I got hired to draw My Little Pony. <laughs> and wow. he showed he has been he has drawn My Little Pony. He has written My Little Pony stories. He is going to Europe to a, go to a My Little Pony convention. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, I hated drawing horses. Now, someone always argues My Little Pony horse is different than a, I said the concept's the same. So I love what you said about that. What's difficult? If you have trouble with characters, work on characters. If you have trouble with dialogue, write on dialogue. Trouble with action sequences, do that. Work that because that's the only way you get better at it. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like sometimes when you're trying something new, you're having this feeling of, I really am terrible at this. And what am I doing? This is not. But when you're striving for things to be better, you have to go through that initial feeling of this is all crap. But if you do the crap, then you're going to get good. But you can't, nobody starts like immediately good at something. Yeah. So you have to be willing to wade through those early times where it's difficult and you doubt yourself and all that. I still doubt myself all the time. Like I said, with this novel I'm writing, I'm like, I'm not a musician. So this is really hard for me to like say it right or whatever. And that's why I know that's when you go out and do research and that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I had somebody else said that usually by the time you finish a book, you are so even if you love the characters, you're so done with the story. You're like, okay. I, I, and so someone else has to come back and go, oh, and rewake that story that originally excited you, right? That mm -hmm. because you've been just in the minutia and the grind all the day. Did you get to see any of the Bruce tour, the latest tour? No, I'm hoping to go in September though, when he comes back to New Jersey. I've okay. actually never seen him. I know that's like a horrible thing to say. No, 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 um, no. But I really got into Bruce like in college and then after college. And that was the time in my life when I wasn't really going to concerts. Like I met my husband and we got married. We bought a house yeah. and all that. We had kids. And then once my kids were old enough where I was like, I'm going to leave them with my parents. Then we had COVID. So like yes. I wasn't going to shows at all for 10 years. Yeah. But I'm very excited to go back. I just went to see the Gaslight Anthem back in October. I don't know if you know them. Yes, uh, Bruce absolutely. likes them. So yes, yes, <laughs> they they're a, a big influence. Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. they, they have a similar sound. They have some things that are different, but yeah, they're definitely that Jersey sound. Yeah, and I love them. They're my favorite band, and it was really cool to see them live for the first time. So that reawakened like my wanting to go to concerts thing. Yeah. Do you have favorite songs or albums? Not just necessarily Bruce, but you mentioned Gaslight Anthem. Other things that you love. Yeah, so I do love Gaslight Anthem. For, from Bruce, I like mostly the Born to Run album. I like all of his stuff, though, but my three favorite songs probably would be Born to Run, Thunder Road, and Jungle Land. I remember the first time that I heard Jungle Land, I was like, what is this? This is like when he says there's an opera out on the turnpike. This, the song itself is like an opera. It has yes. acts, like it's amazing. Mm. And I really was floored by that song. And just generally, I love the way that he can, the way that Bruce romanticizes these very gritty blue collar, dirty parts of life. Like I said, there's an opera on the turnpike. There's a ballet in the alley. Like he shows how there's like a lot of ugly things in the world. But when you look at them through the lens of people who are striving to be better and striving to make something good out of their lives, it's actually very poetic. So that's one of the things that I love. Like that's a thread I feel like goes through a lot of his songs. That's perfect. All right. Once again, give them the, your website. So my website's RaquelDrosos.com. R-A-Q-U-E-L-D-R-O-S-O-S.com. I'm on Instagram at Raquel Drosos, um, Facebook, Goodreads. And yeah, and then, like I said, my blog is on that RaquelDrosos.com too. Yeah, and you can find the book at Amazon, anywhere, uh, the website will tell you where to go. Yeah, you can buy the yeah. book right off the website or on Amazon, yep. Okay, perfect. All right, before I let you go, I got to ask you the Mary question. If you are 
a fan of Raquel's and you're checking out this podcast, thank you. I end every podcast with uh, the Mary question. Jay Armstrong, who is a retired honors English teacher, but when he was teaching, he would take the song Thunder Road and he would print out the lyrics, give it to all his students, and they would break apart the song as if it was a poem. And they would go through all the imagery Bruce is using. They would talk about the themes of the song, compare it to other uh, poets. And then at the end of the two days, he would ask the question, does Mary get in the car? Raquel, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? I love that. And I love that preface. I wish I was in that class. That sounds like a great class. Doesn't Um, it sound like a great class? (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I also want to preface what I'm going to say by saying that Thunder Road was really the song that got me hooked on Springsteen. So like we had said before, like I always knew his songs. I grew up hearing it, but it was to me like all in the lump of the classic rock I listened to. And then I remember in college listening to Thunder Road after I had already known it for years. But for some reason, I really started really listening to it and really connected with the story and with just that sound, that like really real, unaffected sound of the song. So that's probably my favorite one. So I'm glad the song, the question's about that song. Um, and my answer is, I think that she does get in the car. I think that the end of the song is so triumphant sounding after he says, pulling out of here to win, the way the music like picks up. It doesn't sound like a losing kind of song. It sounds like he got what he wanted. And also, I think that one of the reasons that Mary might have been willing to try it out with him is because it seemed like he was really into her. He says, Roy Orbison's singing for the lonely. That's me and I want you only. Like he wasn't that guy who was just wanted to win over Mary because he was a womanizer. He was into her and he liked her. And I think that might have been a convincing thing that maybe some of the other guys who tried to win her over, she didn't really believe that they cared about her and who she was, but he was into her with her flaws and maybe she could have been into him with his flaws too. So yeah, I think she gets in the car. That's nice. I loved your answer. Another thing I wanted to share is I had one guy say, it depends. He says, if it's Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, she absolutely gets in the car. That triumphant ending. But if it's Bruce solo, she doesn't get in the car because the way he ends it with the nah, nah, mm-hmm. it's, he's just sad driving off by himself. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, I do. That's a great answer. All right. Games of Chance, available on Amazon. You can get it via mm-hmm. Kindle, paperback. When the new book comes out, you got to come back so we can promote it. Definitely. Yeah, okay. that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Sounds All great. right, go to the website, check out the book, be kind, be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, So if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, Perfectly Good Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Gags. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. 
you can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.